The following talk by Jim Gordon is from the weekend retreat, Service, God, and Loving Action, of October 2002. In this tape, Jim talks about his spiritual journey over the years and the new process of initiation through ILM into the path of sound and light. In addition, in the talk, Jim makes reference to members of the ILM staff, Brian, Tom, Laura, Bill, and Stephen, as well as Anita, Stephen's wife. Some things have been unfolding for Interlight Ministries and for myself over the last few years. And I wanted to kind of bring you up to date and share with you what's taking place so that you have a better understanding of what's unfolding for myself and for Brian, for Stephen, Laura, Tom, and all of us that's in Interlight Ministries. It was interesting this afternoon that somebody brought up about the unspoken name of God and that question came up and Laura called me up here to explain it. It's very interesting how spirit works. When that happened, I had no idea what I was going to say. I kind of went into a little bit of panic. Like, I wasn't prepared. I had no no thought of talking about that right then. And I came up here, and it was just written right up there. I mean, spirit just brought it all out, what to say, and all I had to do was read it. And I really enjoyed that process. And as long as I trust in spirit, it's a wonderful process. But there are times when I don't even trust in spirit. Even when Spirit's right there and saying, Jim, come on, Jim, let's do it. Jim, where are you? Jim, where are you going? No, not that door. (laughs) I'm very fortunate and blessed, and I'm also the one who drags their heels the most sometimes. So some things have been unfolding in my own life over the last few years, and really for a lot of years, but over the last five years, definitely. And... A lot of it has to do around the whole process of initiation. When I was a child, I was seven years old, and I was at a Methodist church, and they were teaching us to remember prayers, memorizing prayers. And one of the prayers they taught me was the Lord's Prayer, which if you're a Christian and you've gone to Sunday school, I'm sure you've learned the Lord's Prayer or your parents have taught it to you. And so that's the prayer I used to pray all the time, all the time. And that was one of the prayers I always started my prayer session with God off with, was, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And one day, as I was saying the prayer, I came to, Hallowed be thy name. And I went, Oh, what does that mean? Because words are powerful to me. And I want to understand why they chose the words they chose for a sentence, for a prayer, or for anything. And I thought, now, why did Jesus use that term, hallowed be thy name? So I looked it up in the dictionary, and hallowed meant sacred, holy. And I went, asked my mom, I said, Mom, what is the hallowed name of God? Well, she couldn't tell me. She just said it was God. Well, that began a search for me to find out what the hallowed name, the sacred name of God is, this holy name that Jesus was talking about. So I began to look through the Bible and I found a lot of references about the sacred name, the holy name. Do it in the name, the power of the name. There was all this thing about the name, but nobody said anything about what the name was. (laughs) I asked the ministers and the ministers would look at me and go, well, that's interesting. I never thought about that. (laughs) You know, But I was thinking about it, and I wanted an answer. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I found out about this spiritual pathway that offered initiation into the path of light and sound. And all of a sudden, this whole doorway opened up for me, a doorway that was always there in front of me, and I could actually go through and experience on the other side but I didn't have continuing access to. And I didn't have the knowing here in the physical body of how to get to that door and get that door open and get out through that door and have the experience that was on the other side of the door. And I didn't know where the door was. I didn't really understand it. But once in a while, I could get there in my prayer and I could get the door to open and I could go out and experience what was on the other side. But I had no idea what that was about until I found this pathway 
of the path of light and sound. And this path of light and sound is a very sacred, sacred pathway. And it's a very secret pathway in many ways. You will never see neon signs out there saying, this is the path of light and sound. This is the sacred path where the names of God are given or anything like that. Because these pathways do not advertise because they are not trying to bring the masses to it. They are here to serve the souls that are marked, that are ready to go home. So let me explain a little bit about what's happening and then I'll explain a little bit more about this sacred pathway. Over the last five years, I've been dragging my heels. And really, if I were to be honest with you, I've been dragging my heels since 1984. At that time in 1984, I was shown that Spirit had it lined up for me to initiate people on the path of light and sound and to anchor the names of God in people's consciousness and to assist them on their pathway back to God. Now, that says a lot, and it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Jim Gordon or this body or any of that. It has to do with you and God. But it may sound like it has to do a lot with me. And because I got caught up in that, I myself pulled away and said, Oh, no, you're not getting me in that seat. I'm not going to do that. No way. Well, God's real patient and loving. And God will wait as long as it takes. So I have walked a path towards God constantly in my loving, but always dragging my heels, saying, I'll do everything you say, Lord, but not that, not that. Please, not that. Because I saw it as a great burden, and I saw it as a great responsibility that I didn't want. The one thing I've always tried to avoid in this lifetime is responsibility. <laughs> you know, in Adobe Gillis, Maynard G. Krebs, every time he heard work, he'd go, work! <laughs> well, if I hear responsibility, I don't do anything. I just run. <laughs> and you may not see me do a physically run, but inwardly I would run. So when God came forward and said, this is your opportunity and you're moving in this direction, this is what I, I want you to do, to me, all I was hearing God say was responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. You know, it's that old joke about the dog. The master's sitting there going, Ginger, I want you to now go get the ball. Go get the ball. Hurry up. Go get the ball, Ginger. And Ginger hears, Ginger, blah, 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 Ginger, blah, blah, blah. Well, whenever God would talk to me about this, all I would hear would be, Jim, responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. And I didn't hear whatever else God had to say because I didn't want to hear it. Because I didn't want to have to do it. So five years ago, I was on a plane from Nice to Paris. And I'd just gotten on the plane and they were bringing coffee around, good French coffee, it was very nice. And she had just placed the cup in front of me and Spirit came in and said, you're not getting out of this one. There's no place to go. You're going to listen. <laughs> Have a cup of coffee and enjoy. <laughs> Literally, that's what it was like. So I had my coffee and I had a croissant and I listened to spirit begin to unfold this before me. And what it was is that I was to step forward in an action in spirit. And this action was one of assisting people back to God, to bring them back into the awareness of God inside themselves, and that in that awareness they could then begin to travel back to the heart of God. Well, I listened. I didn't go into resistance. I decided, that's not going to work this time. They're not wanting me to do that. I'll listen. I listened to the whole thing, and it made sense. So I said, the one thing I want is I don't want to do it right now. I want this to unfold. I want it to happen in a, in a way that feels easy and comfortable for me. I want to know what I need to know before I step into this. 
it was so funny because I heard, we didn't say you were going to do it when you get off the plane. <laughs> but with that, I had said yes, even though I didn't realize it. At the time, I, I did not say the word, but I had said in that statement that I agreed that I would do it. So things began to unfold, and gradually in that unfoldment, I began to understand more about what this is all about, how it's to look, what I'm to do, what I'm not to do, and I just trusted in spirit. But all the time, I was also doing something else in my life. And that was that when I was 18 years old, I was given a spiritual mantle of authority at that time, at 18. And that's when I began to do my counseling work. And that mantle had to do with the Christ consciousness and helping people to awaken to the Christ within themselves and to do that through my counseling work that I was doing with people. And a lot of you over the years, I've counseled either in person or over the phone. And all that I do is for free. My counseling work, it was on donation basis. You didn't have to pay a thing. And even these retreats, if you don't want to pay for it, you can still come in the door. That's no problem. We don't do this for money. This is for God. The money helps support us in doing this work. But, you know, we don't even make enough off this retreat to pay for our flights up here, if you really were to count everything up. So we do this out of love. And I did my counseling work out of love. The love of the Christ that wants everyone to wake up into the knowing of who you are in spirit, that you are a child of God, that you are a Christ, you just have gone asleep and have forgotten that you are a child of God. So from 18 years old until just a few years ago, I did my counseling work. And so when this came about five years ago, I looked at it and I went, Lord, you know, how am I going to do this? I, I've got this other thing that you gave me when I was 18 years old and I've been doing that. And I don't know that I can balance it all. I don't know that I can do all the counseling work that I'm doing, because I was doing five to seven counselings a day, an hour long each, six to seven days a week. And I'm going, how do I do all that and do this new thing that you want me to do as well? And I heard very clearly inside that still small voice say, since when do you have to worry about anything? Let me handle it, and it'll be taken care of. Don't think about it. Don't do anything about it. It'll be handled. And I go, okay. <laughs> and I waited. And I waited and I waited and nothing happened and nothing happened. And so I thought, wow, after a year, I thought, this is pretty good. You know, maybe God forgot. <laughs> yeah, right, God forgot. <laughs> I'll forget before God forgets. So... If you all were here in November of 1999, something very significant happened. At that time, we were gathered together on a Saturday night, and we were doing the candle ceremony. And it was something that we did every weekend retreat with the candle ceremony. And at that time, Brian came up and was the first one to light a candle. And then he came over and really shared his devotion and his love for me. But not for me, the body, or me, the man, Jim Gordon, but for the spirit that he saw behind all of this, that mantle of the Christ that is serving. He bowed down to that. And when he bowed down to that, in that moment, that door opened. That door opened that I talked about earlier opened wide wider than I'd ever seen it. And I heard God say, it's done. Now the door is open. You can share with him all that is to be shared. And I said that here that night to him and to everyone that heard it. Since that time, things began to unfold for, for Brian and for me and for our action of service together. 
during that time, before that happened, in September of 99, I had been told by Spirit, December 17th was the last day to counsel. You're not to counsel anybody after that date. And I went, what? Are you kidding me? I've been doing this since 18 years old. I can't stop now. You know, this is my identity. What am I going to do? Forgetting what I was going to be doing. I didn't know what was going on here. They were taking everything away from me. And I was going, what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? And I kept getting, no, everything's fine. This is just your next step. Take it. So I said, all right. So I booked right up to December 17th, and I booked it up to the last counseling at 4 o'clock. I finished up at 5. I hung up the phone. And I went, okay, now what? What's going on here? December 18th came. People started calling for more appointments. And I had to say, you know, I'm not doing counselings anymore. And people are going, what? (laughs) You've been counselling me for seven years. I need your help right now. (laughs) What do you mean? I said, I've really got to honour what I've set up with Spirit. And this is what Spirit's put across. Well, who can I call? I don't know. I don't know. And it was really hard. Then the phone stopped ringing after a while. Because people had gotten the message that I wasn't going to be counselling. Well... My identity was in those phone calls and people coming over and me doing the counselings. That was my identity. I did not realize how much I had wrapped myself into that, and that's who I, I was. So I had to begin to redefine myself and to discover myself in a new way that I hadn't been in for a long time, if I'd ever been in it. Then January 4th came along of 2000. It was a Tuesday night. We had my Tuesday night class in Austin. At the very end of class, I was sharing about how I was now not going to be doing counseling, that I was going to be taking care of myself, and was going over some things that Spirit had laid out for me. And actually, in that moment, they were laying it out for me as I talked. So I was learning for the first time what it was going to look like. And as I was talking, I saw the mantle of the Christ lift off of me, that I had been carrying since I was very young, because I actually received it at the age of 11, and I was empowered with it at the age of 18 to do the counseling work. I saw it lift off of me, and while I'm talking, I'm going, wait, wait, that's mine, where are you going with that? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't figure out what they were taking it away from me for. But I had to be calm and quiet with the, you know, and talking to the people out here, so I had to make sense. But inside, I'm going, what are you doing? Where are you going? You know, and I watch it, and it goes all the way to the back of the room, and it settles on Brian. And all of a sudden, Brian turns white as a ghost and starts crying. And he knew immediately what had happened. We had never talked about it, but he knew he'd received the mantle for counseling. He knew it inside because he's so attuned inside to be aware of the movement of spirit that way that he could define it and name it. So since then, he's been carrying that mantle, the mantle of the Christ, for the counseling keys. And all of a sudden, I was going, now what? Now I don't have people calling me, and now I don't have any spiritual mantle over me. What's going on here? Well, very soon after that, it came upon me, this new mantle, this authority. And I've been growing into it ever since that time. And it's been challenging. It's been difficult. And it's been fun, and it's been rewarding, and it's been so much more. And Brian's watched me drag my feet all the way through it, trying to get out of it, trying to deny it, not wanting to do it. Tom and Laura were aware of it. Stephen was aware of it. And Anita was aware of it. But they couldn't do anything about it. They had to just sit back and let me do it on my own. And actually, Bill was aware of it, too. And so, in this process, I have just slowly unfolded inside to God. And God has unfolded me inside God. To where I understand now what Jesus meant. I and the Father are one. And that's true. A spiritual teacher who really holds a mantle of initiation can say that and say it in truth and say it with full authority 
that I and the Father are one. There is no difference. There is no difference. But that doesn't make me special. Because in truth, you can say the same thing, but you don't believe it, and you don't know it. You would wish it. You would hope it. You would pray it. You may even say it and sort of, kind of, maybe believe it, but you don't live it. I can say it, and in the saying it, I know it because it's there. I and the Father are one. That's the mantle that God gives to those that he empowers with the authority to initiate in the path of light and sound, to bring people back home from which they came, but not people of the body, but the soul that is in this body. God came forward as divine sparks. Each and every one of you is a divine spark of God that came into this creation and is experiencing this creation fully so that when you leave here, you leave knowing how to create, how to be a co-creator with the Lord. And each of you, when you came into creation as a soul, at that moment that you were created as soul, you were marked by God. And that mark has been with you in your soul ever since that moment of creation. And that mark is a mark that tells the soul when it's time to go home. It's like a homing device that all of a sudden it goes off and you start looking up again. You no longer are looking down. Before, the soul is looking down into the mind and anchors itself into the mind and through the mind can extend itself into the senses and have experience through the senses and the mind. But when that mark becomes active, all of a sudden the soul stops looking down for gratification, for learning, for experience, and the soul starts longing and crying out for, and looking for something other than that which it's been finding in the world. And it begins to look up and go, well, where are you? How do I get there? And that's what this path is all about. This path of light and sound is how you get there. It is the path that God prepared before you ever came into existence, before any of this came into existence, God prepared that path of light and sound. It's the Holy Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. It's part of the action of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is a divine element by which the soul returns back to God. And it is through the light and through the sound that the soul is called back home. From which it came, so shall it return. And so, this pathway that I'm now inaugurating, if you will, or instituting in Interlight Ministries is the path of sound and light, is the path of liberation. Now, by that, it means that the soul has been entrapped here in this creation for a long time. You would not believe the length of time your souls have been here, living here, experiencing here, and trapped here. The Lord of this creation, Kal Naringen, time and space, also known as Satan, also known as Lucifer, also known as so many other names, he created a system to trap the soul here when it came into this creation to experience. And part of the rules of the game of the entrapment are karma and reincarnation. And through the process of experience here, we have gotten caught here. First, we got caught in the mind. The mind wrapped around the soul and encased the soul and entrapped the soul here. And after a while, the soul forgot where it even came from and began to relate itself as the mind, began to 
believe itself more to be the mind and the senses and got caught up in the experiences of all of that. But that's fine because that's part of God's plan. So that God, the divine in you, can have the full experience here. You know, if you were trapped in prison and you knew the way out, you would take it. You would do all you could to get out of that prison. But if you were trapped in prison, but you didn't know it was a prison, you would just live there your normal life. You'd just go, okay, well, this is what I got. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at. And so this is what we'll do. And you'd just make it work. You'd find a way to make it work. Well, that's what we do here. But now you're here tonight and you've been on pathways of spiritual search, maybe for a day and maybe all this lifetime. But something inside of you is starting to vibrate, vibrate in a different way. And it's calling inside of you. It's stirring a longing inside of you, but not in the mind and not in the senses. It's stirring in the soul. And the soul is saying, I want out of here. I want to go home. I want to be back with God. How do I get there? Where do I go? Well, you know, if we want to go from here to New York City, we can go get an atlas, open it up, and begin laying out a trip from Michigan to New York City. And we may never have driven out of Michigan in our lives, but we can figure out how to get there. And if we follow the map, we will get to New York City. If we want to go to London, England, all we have to do is follow the directions. Call on airlines, book the flight, get your passport, get on the plane, and they will get you there. But when it comes to how do I get to God, there's not a lot of roadmaps out there. And there's not a lot of plane flights that I know of from here to God. Now, there's a lot of people out there that will tell you, oh, I know how to get to God. Come on over here. I'll tell you how to get to God. But then you go and you sit there, and they have no idea. In truth and in fact, they have no idea how to get to God. But they want you to start looking to them for direction, for meaning, for purpose, and they make themselves the center of attention and the center of focus but they never give you direction on how to do it yourself, how to liberate yourself. And this is a path of liberation. It's not about the world. It's about the soul getting free. So what does liberation mean? Liberation means to break free from, to move free and be a part away from the old and move into the new. It's also a path of soul transcendence. Soul transcendence means to go up into soul and to transcend the realm of soul and go directly into spirit and begin to experience who you truly are in spirit. In the Bible it says, if you truly want to worship God who is spirit, then go into spirit and worship him there. Don't worship him in this body. And don't worship him in the temples or the churches. Worship him in spirit, where God has found his spirit. Well, how do I do that? This pathway is that pathway. This pathway of liberation, this pathway of soul transcendence, is a pathway that will take you inside and awaken you inside to the truth of who you really are, and will begin the process of your soul travel back through the realms of this creation into the realms of God's creation, the spiritual realms. These realms that we live in here are the negative realms. They are the realms of matter. Karl Naringen, when he created, he did not have any other power to create with but time and space. So he had those elements to create with. And part of time and space is a process of warping, and in that warping, 
on itself, it creates illusion. And so he created a reflection or an illusion of what is true. So all of this looks a little bit like God's true creation, but it's just a little bit like it. But if you come down here and live down here long enough, you think this is God's creation because you forget where you really came from and you forget what it was really like. This pathway will take you through the illusion and into the truth. And you will wake up in the knowing of who you are as soul. You will meet your soul. You will know who you are as soul. And in that embodiment of soul, you then can begin to travel upward into the realms of spirit and there worship God in the spirit as God is spirit. And there's no better way to worship than in spirit. The loving, the joy, the peace, the bliss that is in that is beyond anything you can put into words. There's no words for it. There really isn't. That's what you're longing for. That's what's tugging inside of you. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Or where do I go? Now, earlier I said that there's a lot of people out there that say, well, come on over here. I can tell you, come on over here. So why isn't that the case here? Why couldn't you just say it the same right now? Well, Jim, aren't you one of those people right now saying, come on over here, I'll do it for you, I'll show you? Well, I won't do it for you. I will give you direction. I will give you some understanding. And I will give you, I will share with you the names of God, the unspoken name of God. But you've got to do the work. You're going to have to get to God yourself. I will assist however I can if God so deems it. But it will only be God working through this instrument that that happens. On every level of consciousness, we have a reference point. We have a reference point for healing. We have a reference point for spirit. We have a reference point for love. We have these different reference points. When I was a child, I was 10 years old, and I had my second cavity. And oh my God, that first cavity and that first filling was the most painful thing I'd ever experienced. My dentist didn't give me enough Novocaine, and I couldn't get him to understand, it hurts, it hurts, stop it. And the thought of having to go back when I discovered the second cavity was like, no way am I going to go to the dentist. And I started my prayers, God, God, you've got to heal this tooth. I'm not going to go to the dentist. You're not getting me back there. You take care of this tooth for me. I know you can do it. And spirit would come in and say, no, Jim, you don't understand. That's what we gave you dentist for. God's going to work through the dentist to heal your tooth. That's how God does it. He works through the doctors. He works through the dentist. He works through his instruments in the world to take care of you in that way. We can't do the healing that that tooth needs. That's a physical tooth. It needs a physical healing. Go to the dentist, and God will do it through the dentist. And I went... No, no, God, do it directly. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? (laughs) So when God didn't do it, I thought, well, I'll do it myself. You know, I thought, well, if I just brush that tooth hard enough, I can get all that decay out of there, and it'll be okay. Well, it didn't work. I couldn't do it myself. I even started ticking at it with those plaque removers, those things you get, I started picking at it, thinking I could, you know, not drill it out, but dig it out. That hurt even worse. That made it so bad I had to go to the dentist. (laughs) I had no choice. And God worked with the dentist and healed my tooth. And I began to realize, oh, my God, there are those in the world that are doing God's work. And I need to look to them to do the work that I needed to have done to me physically. So it is here. God works through instruments, works through people, 
works through bodies here to assist you in this way to get back to God, to get the knowledge, to get the understanding, to get the experience, so that in that experience you begin to know yourself that you are doing it and you can do it and that you really are soul in spirit. You are not this body, you are not these emotions, you are not this mind. You are a spirit encased in this right now. But there is a way out. There is a way out. And that is through the tenth door, as it's called, the third eye. Why is it called the tenth door? Well, if you count, we have nine orifices in our body. And this is the tenth. It's the unseen door. It's the spiritual door. So it is through the unseen door, the spiritual door, that the soul came into this body and it's through that door that it will go out. Now, for most of us, it goes out at death. That's when it goes out and all of a sudden we go, oh my God, I'm not in my body anymore. Now what am I going to do? Where do I go? Where am I? And we begin a new journey. But on this pathway of light and sound, you are given the names of God. And in the giving of those names of God, the one who initiates you anchors the names of God, the frequencies of those names of God, the Holy Spirit, into your consciousness. And those five names that are given are the keys to the kingdom that Jesus talked about. Peter, unto thee I give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, nobody in Christendom understands what these keys are. You can go to the Pope, you can go to bishops, you can go to cardinals, you can go to rabbis, you can go all over the place and ask them, what are these keys to the kingdom that they're talking about? And they'll go, well, that's the authority by which the church was formed. That's the authority by which the Pope can do his work. But nobody really knows what the keys to the kingdom are because they have lost the understanding. They've lost the way of this path of light and sound. Jesus taught it. Jesus initiated his disciples upon this path. And before him, John the Baptist did. And before him, another one did. There's always been somebody on this planet initiating people in this way. When they're ready, they will find the path and the teacher will initiate them and awaken them into the truth of who they truly are. And so it is by the laying on of hands or in some action that the Holy Spirit is anchored into the consciousness, your consciousness, and you are given these names. Now these names that you're given are just verbal names. They're just spoken names that you're not to now speak after you've heard them. You're to keep them sacred inside. The teacher will speak them to you and might ask you to speak them back so that they know that you know what they are and how they're pronounced in the order that they're set in. And then you're not to speak them again. And you're to go home and begin to hold them sacred inside and chant them inside, say them inside, and let the power of the name build up inside of you. My God, it's all right there in the Bible. So it's by these keys to the kingdom, the five names of God that are given to you, that you hold sacred inside, and by the power of those keys, by the power of the name building up inside of you, the soul begins to withdraw itself from matter, from the matter that it is entrapped in, in this clay pit, if you will. It begins to pull itself loose of the senses, from the body, from the emotions, from the mind, 
and it begins to free itself. And it's by the power of the name that that freedom takes place. And the soul begins to turn upward once again and look up to God and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I know your name. And you begin to get free. And it's the power of the name that is your source of freedom. We have different realms of consciousness that make up this lower creation that we're trapped in. We have the physical, the astral, which is the imaginational, the causal, which is the emotional, the mental, the mind, and the etheric, which is the unconscious. Then we have above that the realm of soul. Well, when you were born and took your first breath, that was your physical initiation. There is no another initiation you have to have for the physical. When you took your first breath, that initiation was immediate and took place. But there are five other names to know. There are five other realms to get free from. And just as there is a Lord in heaven, and just as there is a Lord, if you will, of this creation, there are also lords on each of these realms. They are the ones who assisted in the creation of those realms, and they are the ones who oversee those realms and make sure that any souls that are in those realms learn the lessons that are there for them to learn. Now, if you were walking through a mall and there were a hundred other people in the mall and I called out your name, Bill, Bill would turn around and try to see Bill who's calling his name. And so it is by the power of the name that is given to you at initiation that you bring yourself to liberation. It's between you and God. I may be an instrument by which that takes place, where you are given the understanding of how to do that, but you're the one that has to do the work. I cannot chant you out of here. I cannot go up and get you free. God is the one who does that. God is the one who does that. But one other thing that happens in this pathway that is very unique and is really quite wonderful, Kalnarinjan and all these lords of these realms oversee this creation. And you are indebted to all these different realms and these different lords and to Kalnarinjan for all that you do here. For every action, there's a reaction. That's karma. That's debt. Oh, you just took another breath. You owe me for that life breath. Okay, so as soon as you pay me back for that breath and all these other zillion, billion, billion, zillion breaths that you've taken over all these lifetimes, you can get out of here. Well, I won't breathe another breath. 
that's okay because as soon as you drop dead here, you're going to take on another body and you'll start breathing again and you'll forget about that and I'll still get you for more breaths. Well, then how do I get out of here? You don't. You're mine. Just enjoy it. Sit back, relax, go for the ride. You're trapped. But with this pathway of initiation, you're no longer trapped. And you can begin to work yourself free of all that debt. But another thing that happens is that Kal Narinjan oversees right now your karmas and holds the karmas of you in his hands and says, you owe me, you pay me. You don't get out of here until that happens. At the time of initiation, when you receive the five names, Kal Narinjan has to turn over your karmas to the Lord, the true Lord, the creator of you. And God is now the one in charge of your karmas. And what does God do but forgive it all? He just forgives it all. And Calderingen can do nothing about that. The authority of your soul is now back in God's hands. And you begin to work yourself free. So this pathway that we're now beginning, that we bring forward in Inner Light Ministries,
ILM will always be open to everyone to come and participate in our workshops, in our retreats, in our counselings. And part of that is so that those that are seeking can have an opportunity to experience and to check out and see if this is for them. Is this what they want? Is this where they want to be? Is this the direction that is their soul calling them for? So it isn't going to become an exclusive club of ILM initiates. It is going to be open to any and all, including the initiates, including seekers, including wanderers, including doubters. Anyone and everyone is able and willing to come. We'll participate as a group, as a family, in love. There's so much more I can say here, but let me go into some of how this looks then. For some pathways, there's vows or requirements of no meat, no eggs, no alcohol, no sex before marriage, and so on. Mine is a simple and elegant path, but it does have a few requirements, as any spiritual discipline often will. One is that I ask that once you're initiated, that you work up in, in time, to, in your meditation, up to
I will not do the work for you. God will do the work for you, but I'm not going to do the work for you. And I know what that looks like to, to do work for people that are on drugs or on alcohol and have to do the work for them inside. I've done that through my counseling work. And I know the challenge and I know the hardship it puts on me. And I've negotiated with God that I would not do that. And God said, then this is how it's got to be laid out. I'm sure that's why a lot of the pathways that are out there that are a path of light and sound do no alcohol because of that and do no recreational drugs because of that. That may cause stirring, that may cause disturbance.